Hello, everybody. It's February 17th, if you're listening on uh, the day this is released. If not, it's the week of the 17th and beyond whenever you're listening to it. So today's episode, Mr. Henry Wind was on, and you guys will see on my Instagram and other social medias uh, where to find this young, fine gentleman. Uh, a man very wise beyond his years, a 23, 24-year-old uh, man, works for Lululemon here in Charlotte, but uh, is very, like I said, wise beyond his years. Great conversation. We talked about his recruiting uh, trail in soccer out of St. Louis, how he went from St. Louis to Charlotte, uh, a lot of things around Lululemon his uh, job there, but also his passion around the company and their purpose and core values. We also spoke about his love for photography and rapid fire questions as always. It was a great conversation. I was very impressed with him, impressed by his story. It was very enjoyable. I had just met Henry, me and him had never uh, spoken prior except for some exchangings of messages leading up to recording and um it was a great hour and 23 some odd minutes of conversation that probably could have gone on a lot longer but um i hope you you got you guys wow can't speak there hope you guys enjoy this episode as always share it let everyone know where you're listening and, and why you listen to the show and i hope you guys enjoy this one it was a great one um sit back turn it up and um, listen to what Henry had to say. I thought a lot of it was very insightful, especially for someone his age. And I don't want to uh, put him into a corner because of his age, but, you know, being here 34, 35 years old, 10 years older than him, and and to listen to him, I was very impressed because I think uh, a lot of people his age, there's this negative connotation against them you know, millennials and all this type of conversation around, you know, they're, they're not mature or, you know, they expect a lot of things and there's this uh, thought of entitlement and there's none of that from Henry. And uh, it was a really nice conversation, refreshing, and it's really cool to have him come over and, and have a very open conversation with me. He could have been very reserved as, again, I mentioned we don't really know each other, but, um, very vulnerable, very open conversation, and it was awesome, and I appreciate it, and I hope you guys all enjoy this one. So with no further ado, here you go, Mr. Henry Wind. Welcome to Two Cents Worth. As always, I'm your host, Ryan DeFaber. I am here with Mr. Henry Wind. Um, I'm going to let you describe who you are here in a minute, but we're going to talk soccer. We're going to talk Charlotte and St. Louis. We're going to talk Lululemon, and we're going to talk about a thing called the series. Yeah, man. And then anything in between. For sure. Right? I'm pumped. Thanks for having me. And we're going to have some beers, (laughs) as we always do. Yeah. All right. So for those of you listening... Where can people find you on Instagram? 
Um, my Instagram is just my name. So it's at Henry wind, H E N R Y W Y N D. And like all my social media is the same. It's just my first and last name. Okay. Oh, we're also going to talk photography. Oh yeah. We're going to do that. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So who are you, Henry? Cause we just met 15, 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Which is wild, but it's like a, it's through a a common friend. So it's not like he randomly showed up at (laughs) my house, which would also be a really cool podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Invite strangers in. That'd be I think I'm going to do that. The next person that like solicits at my house, I'm going to say, you can come on in. You got to record a podcast. That'd be though. tight, though. If you want the sale, you got to record a podcast. <laughs> I bet cool. you one of them would do it. Yeah. Somebody that wants to give me fr- new windows on my house or something. Yeah, or Cutco. That'd be tight. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, who am I is like a loaded question, I think. like Of course it is. But yeah. Um, if you're stuck in an elevator with somebody, how do you describe yourself? Oh man. I feel like the the answer that I would like legitimately give is not one that people would normally give. Like I literally just say like my name's Henry and like okay. I talk to people. Like that's like what I say all the time. So most people that like describe themselves, they always say like, you know, my name's Henry Wine. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up there. I moved a bunch when I was a kid and then I moved to Charlotte. But like um somewhere over the last few years, I like I heard someone at one point say that like you were more than like your past, you're more than your accolades, you're more than this, you're more than that. So stop defining yourself by like where you're from or things that you've done yeah. and just like say who you are and who you're here to be for the world. And so like for me, like if I was like meeting someone and people are just like, Oh, like who are you? I say like my name's Henry Wine and I like I talk to people. Okay. I create space for others and then we just like talk. That's simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? Like you said, it was a loaded question, but I think your response creates, like what you just said, I talk to people, that creates a conversation. Because yeah. then my initial response would be like, what do you mean you talk to people? What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. So what do you do? You know, like that, yeah. would how, that would be my follow-up. So then what do you do? Yeah. So a few ways to answer that question. So like, what do I do in terms of like, to, you know, who are like how I get my paycheck is I work for Lululemon. Um, it's a phenomenal company. And um, I work here in Charlotte uh, at the South Park location and I oversee all of community in Charlotte. So anything from like relationships um, with studios or um, instructors or potential like community partners, um, not just coffee, places like that. Um, I oversee that. Um, so that was like how I would answer like the nine to five question. Yep. But, but, you know, really I, I believe in people a lot. And so I believe that everyone has a story and everything has something that they're deeply passionate about and that they care a lot about. And then like very rarely do they get prompted by the right question. And yeah. I don't think that I ask the right question very often, but I at least try yeah. and I at least try to, to understand the full person. And so every single time I walk into a room or a space or wherever it may be, I always like ask myself, how can I pull as much value from each person and situation that I encounter? And whether that's like sitting down for a podcast or like at a coffee shop or um, on a date or like anything like that, like you may only get one chance with someone. So you might as well pull as much value as you can out of it. Um, that sets you up to be a better human being. And also the other person, maybe they can walk away learning something as well. So first impressions. Yeah, man. They, you only get one shot at a first one impression, shot at right? It. Yeah. And I also like, I don't know. I, I don't obsess with first impressions either. Like I, I think people are exactly where they need to be right at that time. And yeah. I have been several times in my life less than where I am now. Um, and that was perfect. It was right where I needed to be at that time. And um, if someone like judged me based on that and that's okay, you yeah. know, that, that's up to them. But for me, I always like to look through a lens of a lot of like love and a lot of grace. And if someone's having an off day, that's, perfectly fine with me so so i tell i've said it a lot on here and i put it on my social media and i tell a lot of people so my persona is that 
I can be quite a big asshole at times. <laughs> and it's not so much the fact that I'm I'm an asshole. It's more so for the fact that a while ago, I just kind of stopped caring about what other people thought of me. Yeah. Right? And this is truly who I am. This is, <clears throat> like it or leave it, this is the type of person that I enjoy being in. It's a terrible thing to say. I enjoy being an asshole. I don't enjoy being an asshole. It's not that. It's more so I just enjoy being the person that I am. I'm very sarcastic. I'm open. This is who I am. So I think the same thing for for you. Like first impressions for me, like people can walk away and be like, man, he's kind of an ass. But like when you start to get to know me, it's more of like it's just that dry humor that I have. And I kind of find I try and find some some sort of humor in any situation and I do that in a dry kind of direct way. And people sometimes will walk away and be like, I don't like that guy. Yeah. And that's okay. Because I stopped caring what people thought of me a long time ago. And it's pretty freeing. Yeah, for sure. Stop but like, about what people to be think. fair, like we as human beings, like we look to create patterns. Like that's how we interpret information. And so one may interpret like not caring what you think or um, shooting it straight or being really direct as like those are characteristics and they look to like create the pattern yep. as like that's what an asshole is. Yep. And it doesn't have to be that way because you could say something like um, he's very uh, straightforward. Yeah. And I define you by that word of straightforward, which gives you one connotation. And if I say he's an asshole, it gives you a it's very completely different, different connotation. And so yeah, like of course. we look to make patterns with our brains. Yep. And so um, – yeah, people like look to to do all that stuff. So like you could even get like a really bad rap from people when you don't even deserve it. Oh, so. I'm sure I get plenty of bad rap yeah. from people. Uh, but like I said, as more people like I get a lot of that even from some of my closest friends now, like when they tell me all the time, they're like, when I first met you, I could not stand you. But then I started like hanging out with yeah. you more and you're like very compassionate person. You're a genuine person. And, but we don't see that. We, we interpreted it the first time of, this guy's a good dick. Yeah. <laughs> what kept them coming back? Like, why did they? Uh, I think just mutual friends. Yeah, so, okay. like, they were always like there, and I was there, and they're like, oh, God, he's here again. All right. Well, I guess I'll give this guy another shot. Yeah. And, and eventually it was like, I kind of like this guy. He's kind of, he's funny, but he's, he's honest and true. Yeah. And yeah. So I think that's good. Um, all right. So let's, we're going to get to Lululemon. We're going to get to community, yeah. what you do for them, but also, you know, the purpose of it and what you enjoy about it, all sure. that and how you got involved with Lululemon. Because I think that's very interesting too, because talking about connotations, yeah. I think that company, and I'll give you my perspective of it later on, but I think each company, especially a company like Lululemon, holds a certain connotation to it, um, to where it started, to where it is today. Mm. And it's, perception versus reality right right all right so you grew up in st louis mm -hmm. okay you're a soccer player yeah did you play any other sports growing up yeah i um i was like the traditional kid i like i played soccer baseball basketball played lacrosse for a season um after like seventh grade, I just pretty much pursued soccer. Okay. Uh, basketball, I kept getting in trouble because I would kick the ball. Like the ball would be on the ground, you know, because when you're like young, you don't know how to dribble. Mm -hmm. And I would like flick the ball up to my hands because I could do that. Yep. And I didn't understand why that was wrong. So I stopped playing basketball. Mm -hmm. I'm brutal at it, but I love the sport. Um, I played baseball. I got scared of the ball. I got hit in the neck by yeah. a pitch once like we started pitching. And I just got like scared off the plate. Um, lacrosse is fun for a year. Just didn't, ha didn't have time for it. 
Um, and I guess really early on, I played hockey. My older brother is a phenomenal hockey player, and I wanted to be like him. So I played roller hockey, and I couldn't skate to no. save my life. But I would, like, shuffle down in front of the goal because there was no offsides. Um, and they would, like, <laughs> throw me the puck, and I would score and then, like, shuffle back to position. But um, soccer was it from, yeah. you know, I played my whole life from the time that I could walk um, all the way up through college. Okay. It was everything, yeah. And where would you go to college? I went to a university in St. Louis called Maryville University. It's okay. like a small D2 school there. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask. So I went to Wingate, which is a small D2 mm-hmm. school here in, in North Carolina. So when I saw, and I was telling Henry beforehand, I've, I've been doing my research just stalking his Instagram, and I saw <laughs> you know that he played at Maryville, and I was like, well, I want to, I want to talk about that yeah. from a university perspective. For sure. How, how big? Oh, man. Um, it was relatively like smaller school. Uh, it was a largely commuter school, so okay. it was like uh, X amount of students like on campus, and then a lot. Um, we didn't have a lot of like on campus housing, um, and the on campus housing that we had was like super expensive. So oh, yeah. I lived five minutes off campus, which most like major universities would be on campus living. Yeah, right. But technically, I was off campus, so um, it was a couple thousand like uh, throughout the day, and then like a lot of online, a lot of like night classes as oh, well. Okay. Because Wingate, when I went, it's 1,200 students. So it was like, oh, yeah. smaller than people's high schools. Yeah. I went to a small high school. So for me, it was bigger than that. But there's students that would go come there and be like, this is smaller than my high school. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's a college too. But I, it, I always, it's always interesting, Division two schools, because there are some that are decent sized. Mm-hmm. And then there are a lot like, like Wingate yeah. and Maryville that it's just a smaller couple mm-hmm. thousand students. Um, so played soccer there. Yeah. Recruited. Yeah. I had a wild story, man. Like I... Uh, Looking back on it, like, I, did, I had no idea what the, like, recruiting process was like. Um, I was really thankful. My parents were really rad growing up. They, um, in in regards to sports, they never pushed me out of, like, my, my comfort zone. Inter- yeah. Not in, like, negative way at all. Like, if you know, I have an older brother and a younger sister. And at any point we all did a bunch of sports. And if we ever wanted to stop playing the sport, they always encouraged us to like finish out the season. Okay. And then if you don't want to do it again, don't do it again. Right. Like I never felt pressured. I never felt pushed. I never felt like I had to do this. I had to do that. You know, my dad, um, you know, when he was in high school, played soccer, did a bunch of things. And he was like one of, I think, two guys from his, um, from his high school team that didn't go on to play college soccer. Okay. Um, and so, in high school, it's like really, uh, it's really like appealing to go on and play at the next level. And but to to come home and like my dad like letting me know that like whatever you want to do is like okay, just like give everything a full right look. Um, in high school, I was really involved with a lot of things, and you know these like D one schools wanted me to sign like my junior year, and like at that point you're like 16, 17 uh-huh. years old, and you want to commit your next like you know four years of university, but also your senior year of high school, and I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready to make that commitment. Yeah. And there's a lot of university universities that I said like, thank you, but like I need some time, and they're like, no worries, take your time. We're also going to move on to the next person. Uh-huh. So like I missed out, quote unquote, on right. a lot of like Division one opportunities because I just like simply wasn't ready um and so senior year i actually thought that i wasn't gonna play like i i made oh, really? like a, yeah it was it was it was nuts i um you know i'd done soccer my whole life and i said like you know i've you know done it well i've yeah, like yeah. given it a full experience and i'm ready just to like try something different um so i started looking into like universities that you know i wasn't gonna play soccer at 
um, got accepted to those universities and really started looking into it. And um, there's one university in particular, the University of Missouri, I was, um, you know, really pursuing this like business school, you know, my dad went to, to business school, and I, I admired so much of the way that he was. And so I wanted to like learn the things that he learned. Yep. I'm not saying that I had to be a carbon copy of my father, but like, sure. like, I wanted to learn the things that he learned. And so I started going to um, Mizzou, probably like once a month for the next several months after high school soccer season. I just like liked it less and less every single time I went. And I was like, well, shoot. Like, yeah, like, what I, am I going to do now? Yeah. If, if, if I don't like it now as a senior in high school, when everything is so great, yeah. uh, I'm definitely not going to like it the next four years. And so I opened up my perspective to like, you know, maybe I do want to play. Um, so I took October to March of my senior year completely off of soccer. I didn't play club soccer. Uh-huh. I didn't I didn't do anything. And then I kind of got this like thought like, well, maybe I want to play. Um, and I was just really fortunate that some schools gave me a look my senior year. And um, I ended up committing to Maryville on like the very last day of like uh, where you were able to like, like commit. The signing, yeah. Yeah, I was the very last day. It was like a Wednesday. And I remember because I was like driving to youth group and I like – I like talked to the coach. I was like, Hey, I'm coming. And I was like, well, I guess I should tell my parents. And so like, <laughs> after I hung up the phone with the coach, I, I called my mom and I was like, Hey, I'm like not going to go to Mizzou. I'm going to go play soccer at Maryville. And she was like, okay, like that was that. And so crazy. Um, yeah. The recruiting process was wild. And, um, I definitely have some thoughts on it. Like now looking back, if I knew some things that I knew now, yeah. it would look entirely different, but, um, yeah, it was such a crazy time. I think, uh, collegiate sports, you know, we were talking beforehand, so I'm 10 years older than you, so, you know, just stick with the old man here for a minute. <laughs> but uh, recruiting, when I was getting recruited, has completely changed to where probably how your recruiting was. And regardless of sport, um, you know, the coach at Wingate is now, is that was the assistant coach when I was there. And I just remember, like, him like driving up to Charlotte and watching like one game. And then like, I got a phone call from him and it was like, it was, that was kind of it. Like he didn't stay after the game to talk to me. It was like, Hey, you know, we'd like for you to come. And it's like, okay. I'm like, so this is recruiting. Like this is different and nothing like crazy. Like it is now. Um, especially with like social media and all these outlets that you can get. Like, so there's somebody at my job that his son is a big soccer player and he puts YouTube videos right. together. Like highlight reels. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he, he sends them to me. I'm like, I'm blown away by this. He's like, yeah, this is how recruiting works now. And I'm like, what the hell is going well, that's, on? That's what happens. Like you have to compile. Um, there's like a situation in my like sophomore year of, of college where I wanted to actually like leave Maryville and go to a different university. Yeah. And at that point I had a whole year of college playing under my belt. Like, you know, I started every, you know, every game when I wasn't hurt and I had a whole experience. These coaches had seen me play yeah. when I had played against them and they still wanted like a, a film, a, right? Yeah. And I was like, this is <laughs> nuts. Like I was like, well, I don't have any of that. So yeah. no, crazy. Yeah, it's wild. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, we never even filmed our games or anything like that. So yeah. it was like, it was you ha- as a coach, you had to show up to watch mm-hmm. us play or you took, you had a good enough relationship with the head coach of your high school team that you took their word right. that hey, this player is legit and you, you can you should sign them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine what recruiting's like nowadays, or so even a couple different. years ago. You know, when you were going through. Yeah, it. and and I was, I you know, I I played for you know in my university career, we had three different head coaches in my four years Oof. at Maryville. Um, but still to this day, my my high school soccer coach, his name's Chris Kenny. He he was the best coach I ever played for. Um, he knew how to 
you know, at that point between like 15 to 18 year old boys, like he knew how to get the best out of each and every one of us, get the best out of us as soccer players. But yeah. like he taught us so much about like growing up. Um, remember there was, there was one, one practice where we had a pretty like well-behaved team. Like, um, you know, we we're 16, 17, 18 yeah, year old kids, you know, but we, we were really well-behaved in the classroom and school. And, and there was, you know, a guy that misbehaved in one of his classes and he held the entire team accountable. And I expected to go to that practice and run a bunch uh-huh. and do a bunch of stuff that I hated. And it wasn't any of that. He sat all of us down. Um, and it was like a 15, 20 minute practice and all he, he centered the whole thing around this idea of like, there's no such thing as being a good soccer player and a bad student or being like a good worker and a bad husband. Yeah. You're, you're great or you're not. And, um, he, he gave us that like talk and at 16, 17 years old, I was like, that is all I need. You know, yeah, he, right? he talked to us for 15, 20 minutes and then just dismissed us. And that was worse <laughs> than any running, any anything that I could have ever done. But he taught me a lot during that recruiting process of he was, you know, one of the first people to to know what the next level looked like. You know, yeah, of right. course, you're growing up and all you think about is going play professional and going D1 and all this stuff. And he was the first person to say, like, you could definitely go D1 and you would thrive at a D2, this university, this like type of conference, this stuff. D1 will be a challenge. Here's what you'd have to work on. He was just so knowledgeable Mm -hmm. that, you know, since honestly, since that relationship that I had with him, he, he taught me about like the value of education in terms of making educated decisions, not necessarily like, you know, the education of like a university or anything like that, but the value of like understanding the decision that you're making in, in, in that relationship changed how I viewed decision-making going forward, you know, for the rest of my life, you know, the, you know, five, six years since, since that conversation, you know, I value that a lot of like learning as much as I can before I make that decision. Um, and sometimes I still jump into things without That's okay. knowing everything. But the only way you learn is by actually going through a situation, sure. whether it's a bad decision or a good decision. Yeah. yeah. I just like trusted him so much. And, um, still to this day, like he, he's like one of those people that if he ever called me for anything, I would just like drop what I'm doing yeah. to like go and do that. I think from just under hearing that over the last three minutes or so, it's, he is a coach that challenged you and helped you mature. Yes. And I think that's extremely important, when, especially for high school and even in college, right? Like if you're going to play in athletics or anything like that, you know, it's that maturity aspect. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, growing up, every kid that plays a sport wants to become a pro. Yeah. But only a certain percentage make it. And it's a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. So then it's, okay, well, I didn't go D1. All right, well, I go D2 or D3 or I don't, I don't go and play college sports. Okay, so then what is it next? Like how do I then become this person that after school i'm either going to have to go into the real world or i'm going to go and pursue something else you know travel or whatever how do i mature you know and i think a lot of times i know personally for me i learned a lot of that through sports time management right like being a student athlete people think it's so glorious and it's tough like you're missing classes and then you're coming back and trying to play catch up because you went on a road trip for games and you know and some professors are willing to you know, give you the information that you missed in class and others will tell you, well, go talk to your other students over there and that's how you're going to get your information. Yeah. Uh, especially when I was there, like it, email is basically the only thing that we had. You didn't have these courses where you could go and get the, you know, uh, itinerary of everything and what happened in the class. Like you had to go seek out the professor or other people in your class to get yeah. information. So it taught me a lot about time management, which helped me when I came into the real world and became a professional 
in the business world for sure um, and, you know in, in being a student athlete like it's funny like i i love every bit of that sport you know soccer is is like i mean even now like it's been a while since i've i've played but like i still obsess over like the small things i'll see like on instagram or something i'll see like a new cleat that they'll mm-hmm. like come out with and i'll just like freak out for a little bit like i think it's amazing i love every aspect of that sport and and yet i still like when i'm in my day-to-day i don't always think about like oh like when i played college soccer like but i i learned a lot about um specifically what carried me throughout my university like time yeah. was communication yeah like okay. i mean you know at the beginning of the semester, you know, I was, you know, it's a relatively small school. So, you know, by my junior, sophomore, junior, senior year, like some of my professors were like repeat professors. They knew who I, who I was. They knew kind of like my MO, they knew like what was going on. And so those conversations were really easy, but like those new, new professors that didn't know who I was, it took me like to go to their office and say like, Hey, this is my position. Like I'm a student athlete. This is like what you can expect out of me from class. Like I may miss X, Y, and Z date. And here's what it is. Like, and I asked all those questions on the front end. Like when I'm missing class, like, do you prefer an email? Do you prefer whatever it is? Because like, I just need to know how to set myself up best for success yeah. on the front end. Um, I was a very unconventional student. I didn't always do things by the book. And, and sometimes they told me like, well, this is what you need to do. And I said, maybe, um, <laughs> but you know, I was very unconventional with it, but I learned the value of speaking, um, communicating and, and specifically at that time, you know, 18 to 22 years old, learning how to communicate and speak with, um, folks that were like older than me and per- perhaps saw the world differently than I did. Yeah. Um, and, and trusting that, uh, while our opinions may differ, the way that we see the world may differ. Um, they've lived a little bit more life than I did and, and trusting myself that like, even if they say something that I'm like, that is not, how that should go um you know there's reason behind it so if <laughs> yeah. i ever don't agree with it i ask why and what led you to that decision and then getting on board and it's it's helped me um now in like the professional world it's helped me sit across the table from people just like out at a bar that i disagree with and yeah. just finding like commonality between the two of us and um Oh, yeah. you're you're a rare breed, man, bro. But I, in but, this now, in this day and age, yeah, and you know, unfortunately, I, I, well, yeah, it's maybe you know, maybe it's unfortunate, and perhaps it's it's of no one's fault. Yeah, uh, perhaps it's it's a way that like that's just you know how people have been conditioned and grown up. Yeah. I mean, you you can look at all different kinds of trends in the world. Like you can look at. Um, socioeconomic classes and look at like, I mean, even like we're sitting in your house right now, you could look at like your neighbors around your house and how many of them do you like either, either like one end of the spectrum is like, you don't talk to any of your neighbors, which is like kind of how we grew up. And then the other end of the spectrum is like, you talk to your neighbors all the time. They all actually kind of think exactly like you do, because if they don't, then you don't actually hang out with them. Uh And then you go like further towards the end of the end of the spectrum. Like that is how we're grown up like that is how we're raised that's how we do things we hang out with the people that think how we do and commonalities between us and like it's no one's fault but that's like how we're conditioned to be and it mm-hmm. takes like i can you know i can think of like a few people in my life that have like deeply influenced how i see the world and like one of the main messages that they like always say is like who's not present at the table that needs to be and i'm like someone that freaking disagrees with what <laughs> i think you know and challenges me on my right. thoughts and um and that being okay, you know? I think it is okay. I think uh, we just, unfor- you said, un- I said unfortunately, and you said maybe it isn't, but unfortunately we don't challenge ourselves yeah. enough anymore. And it's become this, 
you surround yourself with people that have the same mindset as you because you don't want to have a conversation mm -hmm. because you're afraid of what you're going to get challenged on. Yeah. And maybe you don't know everything that you think, you know. Yeah. And, and, and like, it's funny because I say like, and what if you don't Yeah, like, you know, like what if you get stumped in a conversation and you say like, shit, like, I don't know how to respond to right. that. Like, you know, what's the risk of that? You know, like, the risk people is don't people don't want to be embarrassed right for the 10 seconds that you might feel embarrassed because like when you go home at night like you might be thinking about it because you're the one yeah. embarrassed but no one else is thinking about it and it's just like this like this thing where we 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 say like you know we have to appear and look a certain way whenever we show up for people and it's yeah. like again maybe like i think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you care so much about what other people think of you right yeah. and people don't want to be wrong yeah so, or they don't want to be challenged or they have this persona of, well, I know everything in this arena. And then when somebody questions you about it and you really don't, you've been exposed and it's like, I don't like that. I, I had someone tell me one time, um, this is like recently, like in the last like two or three weeks, this isn't like a deep lasting profound thing <laughs> that I've committed to for my whole life. But like in the last like two or three weeks, like someone challenged me on the thought of like whenever you find yourself in a conversation like that where you feel challenged where you feel like whatever you feel instead of like trying to like bullshit your way through the conversation or try to like come up with something to sound good yeah saying something like i actually don't know about that can you teach me yeah can oh you, like, hey how about that furthering educating yourself and like they said that to me and i was like yo like that's good i have never said that before like i've always like when someone has said something that's like been different i like either buck up or i get on board and like what if i didn't have to do either one what if i could I just say, like, say most people put up that barrier and they 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 just go into defense mode yeah until they can figure out a way out yeah right rather than going i don't know tell me more about that yeah Give play me the, your perspective play on that it. game. Like, I'm, this is like a dangerous thing to get into, but like <laughs> play that game with like politics, religion, oh like, you know, international policy, whatever you want to, you know, test yourself on. Yep. Like who can you learn from? And regardless of if you accept what they say is truth or not, like just learn from them um, and then move on to your next conversation. Not everything has to be such like polarizing statements as like we oftentimes like like to make it. You know, sometimes we, we hear one thing and we make that one statement mean everything. You're either right or you're wrong. And that's like one more reason to like be with you or against you. And it's just like, what, again, what if it didn't have to be that way? And you could just like have a conversation, say like, yeah, I don't agree with you at all. And then like, let that be okay. Yeah. I think it's because again, we've been conditioned as humans to always be the one in the room that has to impress. Yeah. If you're going to be somebody that's opinionated. You have to be the one that is also also always right, right? Yeah. And then when you're not, things go awry. And you're not willing to sit there and go, I, I don't know, tell yeah. me. And you could, like you said, you could just be like, okay, great. They said they said their piece. I still don't agree with it. And we just move on. Yeah. But people don't do that. Well, and like, that's what's funny. And so I think oftentimes when I get into like conversations such as this, like I remember I got into a conversation about like the university system. And I mentioned to you that I was like a really unconventional student. I have yeah. some thoughts about like how to like reform the university system. And like, I'm like falling on deaf ears. Like no one's going <laughs> to listen to me and be like, we're going to change all of America's like university system. However, like, uh, however really, it should change. Well, the thing is like, I'm really conscious of, um, 
saying things like I've said for the last few minutes and then like actually putting action behind it because it's it's really nice to have like dialogues where we like share our opinions and things yep. like that. But if we don't allow it to like change and inspire action, it doesn't quite matter. So I'm really mindful of if I'm going to say things like that, like I have to actually practice that. And, um, you know, again, we can we can we can sit in a room and like talk about how we can solve problems and create change in our communities but unless you're like actively doing it and willing yourself to do it it doesn't quite matter like all the lovely things that you have to say and so I'm always like very mindful of um of of how much I'm like uh a statement that like I have like adopted over the last few years that like anyone that's close to me can like you know, repeat like, you know, the back of their hand. Um, they say like, don't just talk about it, be about it. I say that to people all the time. And it came from like a really stupid situation that someone said it to me, but, um, but it held weight. Yeah. Don't just talk about it, be about it. And so I can sit here and say that like, yeah, you know, welcome different perspectives. And whenever people sit down across the table from you, like, what can I learn from you? And like, that is an active practice of mine. That is something that like, you know, in my relationship, like with my girlfriend, if she doesn't, you know, if we don't see eye to eye on something, like instead of like being like, well, she needs to know that like, you know, whatever, (laughs) like, no, like tell me why you feel that way. And like, if there's something I can do to change that, let me know. And like, we will discuss if like, if I think that like I can commit to that or not, but like, please let me know in my, in my work relationship, if I'm falling short of the, the bar, which like I came off of a season where I was constantly like missing the bar in my work life. Like I need to know how that impacts you as my manager. And then like, let's find commonality between it. And like, I'm not perfect at it all the time, but it is something that I'm actively like working on and practicing in the day to day because I think that's how we influence change. Yeah. Like, especially with men, like you walk into a room, let's just say there's four guys sitting around a table and like the types of stories and the types of things, like there's this like really weird, like unspoken thing about men that like, there's somewhat of this, like, I want to, I want to like, I want to one up the next person. And like, what if you entered into the room and felt like you didn't have to have that pressure of like one upping someone instead you could just be there to listen and support and to laugh and and to to challenge and ask questions and like we get to decide that as individuals um changing ourselves first and perhaps that change within ourselves inspires change within others i think you're ahead of the game there especially on the relationship perspective if you can actually have open conversation with your significant other Mm -hmm. i've been married 12 years so i can (laughs) tell you this um it'll take you a long way in a relationship um because it's then not a one-sided relationship, yeah. right? It's it's both parties are fully committed in that you're actually having conversations. So yeah. I think you're definitely ahead of the game on that. From a professional perspective, I, I manage quite a few people. Not everybody comes to you and says, hey, I know I'm missing the bar. What can I do to improve? Most people want to just give you an excuse on why yeah. they missed the bar. Yeah. Uh, so again, I think you're ahead of the game on there. Um, I want to talk about how you... You, you you graduate, you're in St. Louis. How do you get to Charlotte and why do you come to Charlotte? Yeah, man. Um, it's like funny. I, I was working for Lululemon at the time. So okay. around my junior year of college, I started working for Lululemon and uh, it started off really part-time. Like literally, I, I, I anticipated just a part-time position and I ended up falling in love with it. Long story short, I got to about my, um, like this, you know, halfway through my senior year of college mm-hmm. and I knew that Lululemon, like, that's what I wanted to do long-term. So, like, Lululemon was for me, but St. Louis wasn't. Okay. So, I just basically said, like, I was open to going wherever Lululemon could take me. I got a really unique opportunity around, you know, February, March of my senior year to go to this conference where um, 
it was every single store manager within the southeast region of or area, excuse me, of the United States. And so 50 something, you know, store managers plus the regional managers and all area partners. So like every like quote unquote important person that Mm -hmm. I could like talk to in a room, I was lucky enough to participate in this conference. Um, and I, I just saw it as an opportunity just to like get to know people. And, um, I, I got to know a ton of store managers and, and hear kind of what they were up to in, um, in their business, in their store, what they had hoped for that year, like growth and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, transition, you know, February is the start of the fiscal year for most businesses. And so, um, hearing about what they had planned into for the year, um, so my store manager now, her name's Lynn. Um, I worked for her in St. Louis. She was an assistant oh, wow. manager okay. slash uh, she like covered like a store manager position for a little bit. Um, she at the time was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, um, opening up like a seasonal store. She got hired into the Charlotte, North Carolina role. Um, she wanted to work for our regional manager, Steph, um, for a lot of different reasons. So Lynn went there. Um, and then Lynn and Steph together, like within the first like few weeks of Lynn being there, were like, Hey, we have no one to like run our men's business for mm-hmm. Charlotte. Like Lynn was like, I got this guy back in St. Louis. I think he'd be really good for it. We'd love to interview for him. And so they reached out to me and, um, I had never been to Charlotte. I had never thought about Charlotte. Yeah, right. I knew that there was the Hornets and the Panthers here, and that is the extent <laughs> of what I knew. A lot um, of people don't know. And actually, I'm surprised you associate sports with Charlotte. Most people just go, uh, Bank of America is there, right? So it's actually funny because right when I was moving here, like literally two days before I moved here, my brother, my older brother was like, hey, you should like check to see if your bank is there. Because if it's not, you know, he's moved a bunch. Yeah. You're going to have to change banks. Like you can't like have your home bank in St. Louis. And I was like, well, shoot, like I got to check. And I was like, I have Bank of America. Yeah. I'll check. And I was like, as we were driving there, like my, my mom and me, I was like, shoot, like I forgot to check. And we like drive into the city. There's like the big bank of America stadium. And I was like, no, 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 we're good. I think we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. But so long story short, I, um, I got really, really fortunate, man. Like that, that Lynn and Steph, um, believed in me to come here and I got the opportunity to interview and, um, and, and once they offered me the job, I like, I didn't even think about it. Like Lynn offered me the job and I said yes on the phone. And she was like, also take like a day to think it over. And I was like, well, I guess I already gave her my answer, but like what well, I already said, yes. Yeah. You know? And so, um, that was it. Like, okay. and, and, and it was from then, um, I got hired quote unquote, um, in like May of mm-hmm. that year. And I asked to not start until August 1st because, um, I knew that like when I moved, I wanted to like move. I didn't want to like move to Charlotte, then like come back every other weekend to St. Louis yeah, and like yeah. do that. And so I was like, you know what? Like I want to like go to dinner with my friends again. Like I want to like take my sister out for dinner. I want to like go hang out with my brother. I want to go take photos with my brother. I want to like go do St. Louis things for about two more months and then I'll go. And they So kind of like, just build closure. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it's it's an end of a chapter, right? For sure. And then you're opening this one. I love the fact you've never been to Charlotte never. before you even... Yeah. And, and so I accepted the position. And to be fair, like a month before I moved here, I was like, I guess I should figure out where I should live. So like I literally... <laughs> My my parents and I flew to Charlotte because like I didn't know anything. Like I, you know, I got here and people were like, "Do you want to go to Noda? Do you want to go to South End?" I was yeah, like, right. "What is that about?" And so <laughs> we like did nothing but drive around different places, uh, which was one of the most stressful weekends of my life. My my parents are so funny to like. I'm sure to like 
experience like together on things you know my mom is like the the planner like the like we're gonna go here we're gonna go here we're gonna go here and then my dad's like much more of like the lucy goes we'll figure it out it's like kind of like my dad's mo and i'm like a little (laughs) bit more like my dad in that regard but um yeah it was was so funny yeah he's, he's a funny guy but um yeah so i i came a month before i moved here just to even like look at it and uh yeah it was cool Where'd you end up? I ended up in Noda. I spent my first year in Noda by chance. I was going to say, are you still there? No. So I'm actually in South End now. Okay. Um, But I, I, we were like coming up empty everywhere we were looking. We were trying to stay within a certain price range and all that stuff. And um, we were sitting in Crepe Cellar in Noda. Like we were like getting breakfast at Crepe Cellar. And I was like scrolling through Craigslist because I just like didn't didn't really want to like talk to my parents at the time. And um, (laughs) this like ad popped up about this house that was literally a, you know, two blocks away from Crepe Cellar. So I looked it up and I was like, Hey, we should just like go walk over there. It's a beautiful house. And, um, ended up like messaging the people that put the ad up and, um, yeah, just kind of like lucked into that. And that gave me like the exposure to Charlotte that like I really loved. Did you move in with roommates or I had four roommates and you didn't know them? Didn't know any of them. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good for you. Yeah, it was Look it was you. wild. Yeah, and um, you're you know, more mature than most people would. Well, be it was like age. it was a new, it was a new city, and you know, I knew that you know a lot of my time was gonna be spent at work anyway, and yeah. so who I was living with, as long as it wasn't like so detrimental to like my mental sanity, like I knew that I could make anything work and find commonality between anyone. So um, yeah, I did that, and um, I still love Noda. I'm in I'm in South End now. I would love to move back to Noda at yeah. some point. I think it's a great space. I was there last night. Like I I, I think it's just a great space. Uh, being where we are in Ballantyne, I don't get up there yeah. as, as frequent. But I did work in South End for five years, and so I used to work in commercial construction. So what was this? It was 2007 through 2011. South End different. was not different. what it is today. Yeah. Uh, completely different uh, neighborhood. Great for the city because it's definitely um, helping attract, you know, younger people to the city, and at the same time, people that want to live in and around downtown or don't want to live in downtown but still have that downtown right. feel. Uh, because even Noda, being a a neighborhood outside of the city. It's far enough away that you really don't get that city vibe. South End, you're basically in the city. But that's what's crazy. Like, I lived in Noda, and, like, I would go to concerts at, like, Spectrum, or I'd go to Hornets games or whatever, and it's an eight-minute Uber. Yeah. Eight minutes. Then I'm like, yeah. Like, where I was in, in St. Louis, it was it was a 30-minute drive to get downtown. That's crazy. And so it's like, you you feel exactly like you said. You feel away from the city. It's eight minutes on a drive. Yeah. And you're like, that's I mean, it, there's spots in Noda. You can see the skyline and everything. Yeah. I mean, there's some great viewing there. Especially, right. I'm We'll get into your photography. I'm sure there's some yeah. great shots that you can take yeah. from there. All right, so you moved to Charlotte. Yeah. Um, what outside of the job? Let's. I don't want to focus on the job. I want to focus on you as an individual or you as the person. What about Charlotte? Because I, I love Charlotte for many reasons. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm I'm not your typical person. When I was your age. I live down here. I've always lived in the suburbs. Like I love the suburb feel that even before I had kids, I've always loved the suburbs of Charlotte. I love the close uh, proximity of the, the neighborhoods that you live in to the city. I think those were always cool, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, like I just always loved living down here. Um, so I want your perspective on like on the city and like what keeps you here. Yeah. Let's take the job out of it because the job could take you anywhere. Right. So yeah. What, what about Charlotte? that keeps you here 
Yeah, I think Charlotte, I describe Charlotte all the time as like one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Um, Charlotte is one of, if not the most accessible city I've ever been to. Everything's about 15 minutes away. Yeah. So, no, you know, like like I said, I was in Noda and, you know, my, my work was 15 minutes away. Uptown was less than 15 minutes away. Like I felt like I could get anywhere. Um, and in in Noda, I could walk everywhere. Yeah. Like and and I loved that at first. You know, I loved that part of it. St. Louis is so different than that. It's so spread out. No matter if like I was going to work in St. Louis, which was you know a twenty minute drive, mm-hmm. all highway mm-hmm. to get there. You know, any anywhere that you wanted to go, you were pretty much on the highway, and and things were so spaced out that. Um, if I was going to a friend's house, like sometimes, you know, you had to like get there, you know, here in, in Charlotte, it's so much different than that. Yeah. I love how close together things are and how accessible things are. I also love, um, and this wasn't at first cause I didn't know, right. but after I've been here for a little bit, I, I really have the belief about Charlotte that like, if you can't make it in Charlotte, you can't make it anywhere. The city is so in my opinion, accepting of like entrepreneurs. Yeah. The, the rate of people that, um, you know, you spoke about yourself, you know, you're in a corporate position and then, at, you know, at one position or at one time, excuse me, you say, like, I want something else to stimulate my brain. You create this podcast. Yep. The amount of people that I've spoken to in Charlotte that, you know, while it may not be a podcast, perhaps it's like a clothing business or a coffee shop or whatever. People that like just cold turkey stop what they're doing and, and do something completely different because they believe that they can. That like isn't really too common in St. Louis. You know, it's a lot of, you know, just corporate and like you do your job even though you hate your job and, uh-huh. and that's it. And, and Charlotte's not so much that way. So I love the entrepreneurship that exists in this city. Um, it's it's growing quickly and I'm not obsessed with growth in terms of city development, but mm-hmm. I like to see the influx of people and the different perspectives that they bring. I, I'd be interested to know your perspective because I have a very... I don't want to say unique perspective because I I used to be in commercial construction, but the one thing that I always knock Charlotte on is for some reason, just the way that we are wired here in this city, we want everything new. Yeah. And it drives me nuts when we have some great architecture or some great opportunities to take buildings that might've gone into disrepair and, and then, Construction, when you have a, a building like that, it takes much more money than it would be to just tear it down and build right. new. But to have some character to the city, like my favorite thing, I work in downtown. My favorite thing in downtown is Lada Arcade. Yeah. Because it's the one thing in downtown <laughs> that isn't new and shiny, right? Yeah. Like it's something that is, it's got its, you know, issues right like the air conditioning doesn't always work in the building and brevard court it's old and it's tight and it's and you know you you know it might not be the cleanest but it's got that history to it and something that somebody redeveloped and turned new yeah um that's why at the same time you know the neighborhoods you've lived in i love seeing like these old mills right so like north carolina was big into um shoot i was gonna say fabrics but it's not fabrics what, what is the term Textiles? Textiles, yeah, there you go. Jeez. Yeah. Big into textiles, right? And furniture and all that stuff. And we have all these mills. Mm-hmm. And we tear them down. Yeah. Instead of turning them into apartments or like Atherton Mill turning yeah. into restaurants and uh, coffee shops and yoga studios and things like that. Like I, when, when I drive around the city, like those are the things that I think are cool. Yeah. I could care less about all these apartment complexes that we're building. Right. You know, I 
you don't need to give me your perspective on that. No, but I mean, but, but, but to be fair, it's like things that we talked about earlier. It's just like, you know, you have a perspective on it and potentially the city planners of Charlotte may have a different perspective on it. And like, I love history of things. I think, um, things that have stories and history and whatever, I think that that's lovely. And, um, there's less of that here. Um, there's a, unfortunately, yeah, and but it's because I think it has to do with the fact that Charlotte has experienced growth that they never expected, never expected, and perhaps they don't have a, an identity to like solve as the backbone. They don't have an idea. This is again our two cents, hence the name. Hey, yep. Uh, it. I don't think we have an identity, and I don't think they ever came up with one. All I remember when I moved here was we're Atlanta 20 years ago, right? So in 99, we're Atlanta, what Atlanta was 20 years ago. And that's continued. And you don't see a change in that. No one's gone into this, my opinion, no one's gone into the city. I don't want to get into politics here, but, (laughs) and said, let's not be Atlanta 20 years ago. Let's have our own identity. What is Charlotte? And for the longest time, it was, well, Charlotte is Bank of America and Wachovia. Well, Wachovia no longer does, has a headquarters here because right. they got bought by Wells Fargo. So what are you? Yeah. Well, we're still number three financial because San Francisco overtook us. Okay, yeah. well, is that all you want to be? I think what you mentioned, though, is where we are heading. Mm. We're more accepting of entrepreneurs. We are accepting more of startups and these different types of creative outlets that people have. And we don't, we are always will be defined as a financial city, and that's okay. But then what else do you have going on in, mm-hmm. in your city? These neighborhoods that are growing and, you know, gentrification's happening. There's argument, good and bad, on that. Right. Um, but I think you're right. I, think, I don't think Charlotte does know what its identity is. And I think it's going to take probably another 20 years before they actually do have a true identity. Yeah. And I think that's what's really cool is like seeing Charlotte, you know, 2019. I came in in 2017 is when okay. I moved here. And so to see Charlotte, you know, I, I haven't been here long enough to be like, oh, it's changed so much in the last however many years. But to, to see. But in your like, two years, I bet it's changed you know, tremendously. Yeah. Even like a little bit of change. And, um, you know, a. Uh, I oftentimes that question of like, what's our identity in Charlotte or like, where would you like to see Charlotte go is such an interesting question to me on, depending on who's answering the question. Mm -hmm. Um, what a blessing it is to be, to be here during the time of figuring it out because I'm, you know, I, I may be here for a few more years. I may not be in, in who knows. However, I can always look back and say, you know, between 2017 and whatever year that I exit, like I can say like, yeah, I was, I was there for that. And, and to be fair, I would love to be part of that, like identifying process of the city of Charlotte. I would love to say that in 45 years from now, when I'm like talking to my kids, kids, like to talk about like, yeah, I was there for that. And I remember those conversations. I remember when I was talking to so-and-so and now they're the mayor of the city and they're yeah. changing stuff. And like, I would love to say that. And so I think it, it just takes asking the questions. And so well, that we'll go off script here. Cause we were going to go into photography next, but I, sure. we'll, we'll go back to photography. Yeah. Let's talk about, that impact that you potentially do have today. So you mentioned earlier, Lululemon, your head of community right. for Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Okay. What does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what uh, The easy way to describe it is like every outward facing thing that you would see from Lululemon from uh, initiatives that are going on within the company to events that you would see. Um, 
I have just a big hand in. Not everything is done through me because, you know, I have some phenomenal, phenomenal brains within that organization mm-hmm. that, that work there. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I get to share the same room as them, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I get to have my hand in, in several of those things. Um, so outward facing things from uh, relationships with businesses, studios, um, gyms, etc. Ambassadors, like kind of, yeah, that's like kind right, of because how we seen. how we got connected yeah. was through Mike Metcalf, who used mm-hmm. to be an ambassador for Lululemon, right? And he told me to reach out to you because, yeah, you guys worked together right. for the however many years mm-hmm. he was an ambassador for him or, or the back end of it. And I thought his was very interesting in the fact that you all as a company saw an opportunity inside of NASCAR, yeah. And I mentioned earlier. My perception of Lululemon, before sitting down with Mike, and I've known Mike for years, before sitting down with him and knowing he was a Lululemon ambassador, I was like, isn't that a women's company? Yeah. Right? Like, isn't it? That's the perception. I think, obviously, now it's completely different. But, like, when people first started hearing Lululemon, it was the leggings, the yoga pants. It's a women's clothing company, right? It's Right. It's an apparel company for women. Yeah. And then you see somebody like for me, right, you see somebody like a Mike Metcalf, a football player, a NASCAR pit guy, and he's a Lululemon ambassador. You're like, well, what's going on here with this company? Yeah. So I think the perception changed, but it was very interesting to me, a sport like NASCAR, mm-hmm. Lululemon saw an opportunity in. Yeah. And he was telling me, and he mentioned it on the podcast, it was like episode five, so it was a while ago, but <laughs> um, he talked about it. He's like, now it's like basically every pit crew guy like has – because they have to wear black pants on certain days. And he's right. like, they all wear the ABC pants. Is that sure right? Are. And he's like, they're the most comfortable pants I've ever worn. He's yeah. like, every guy now wears them. He's like, it's so funny. Like, I was one of the first guys. And I'm like, Lululemon, what yeah. are you doing? He's like, now everybody wears them in NASCAR. Yeah. And I think it was just, it was, I think it's a great opportunity to change that perspective. Mm-hmm. Because from an advertising perspective, it's not really, you're not really out there from an advertising perspective. It is a brand that is built off of, just my again in my opinion you you can have yeah you you sure. know for yeah. sure but more so around like quality word of mouth mm-hmm. and the people like mike and others and yourself that are out there talking about the brand and creating its story rather yeah. than spending money on advertising dollars you're like hitting it spot on you know we've been around for 20 years we're like going into our 21st year right now as a company we started in vancouver and um, you know, from, from the beginning, like I kid you not, like how we started as a company was our, uh, you know, the guy that founded the company, Chip Wilson, he, he literally created like three or four pieces of clothing for, um, this one specific yoga instructor in Vancouver. Okay. Um, and he gave it to her and said, tell me what sucks. Like, tell me what doesn't work about it and I'll change it and I'll make it happen. And it was a company based on product feedback. Mm-hmm. It was a company based on that. And, and, and he speaks very eloquently. Like, you know, he's written books. He's been on podcasts. He gives several talks on on how grassroots the company was yeah. of, of word of mouth and, and going into people like ambassadors and people that you recognize as like leaders in like sweat and connection and growth um, in your community and, and not spending those big, big budget dollars on advertising that may or may not work yeah um you know while we may not invest in someone like lebron james um that'd be cool to like have someone like lebron james on there however like you know 
we have some people like right now, like in our South Park location, for example, we have, you know, four ambassadors and those four people are just absolute badasses. Yeah. Like they're just killers of the industry. And, and, and it's more than just like, oh, they're just like these, you know, great looking people. And it's not that at all. <laughs> it's like they embody who we are as a brand. You know, you mentioned quality and I think quality stretches far beyond just product, like quality of life, the way that they impact others, the way that they treat people, the way that they're pursuing after goals. Um, you know, we don't have that, you know, going into magazines or like your Instagram account or whatever and, and marketing that. Cause we just felt like we never had to. Yeah. And, and within our marketing, within our strategy, the word disruption comes up a lot. How can we disrupt what else is going on? Everyone's doing things the same way. Mm-hmm. How can we disrupt that? Yeah. And create almost like an oh shit moment, like from our window displays to, you know, who we partner with to the events that we're doing. How do you create that disruption within your community um, and make it extremely local, even though it's a 20 year in the making brand. When you said 20 years, I, I, I would have told you 10. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. 21 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. But it takes, you know, for a company of the size that it is now. And for, you know, like you said, you, you were not, you're not spending that advertising dollars and it, it takes 20 years to, for people to recognize it. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just part of it. And that's what the journey I would say is that they want to, I would, I'm speaking for them and you can tell me different, but I think the journey that they would want to go on rather than try and make a big splash right away and yeah. fail. Well, that, that's a great point. You know, we're 21 years going on 21 years in the making of it. And, you know, while we have not, um, cracked the code forever, yeah, like, you know, we're constantly learning and innovating, um, we've learned some stuff like we, we've definitely, we operate a certain way and the way that we develop people and, you know, for the longest time I've said that we've been a leadership development company that just happens to sell the best stretchy pants in the world. Um, <laughs> best stretchy and I believe that down to my core, but there's a lot of businesses, um, even other like clothing businesses that try to adopt exactly what we do and, uh, do it the same way that we do. And some of their product is really good, yeah. But they spend money too quickly, and they don't trust the process of building that that you know th- that word of mouth relationship with your community over time. You know, longevity is a hell of a thing, and in the way that you can do that, you know, twenty one years is a long time. Yeah, you know, I'm twenty three years old, and and you know that's almost my whole life that's of doing life, that. Yeah. And, and you know we've we've taken steps, sometimes really big steps, and sometimes really small ones. The apparel business is, I, I it's almost like this. I consider it like a me too business. Like everybody has an apparel company, yeah. right? So it's just this flooded industry, and so it's almost like think of like restaurants. Like ninety percent of restaurants fail in the first year. Right. I think that's like almost like a. I don't know what the actual statistic would be for apparel companies. Sounds but good. It, right. It's got to be something along yeah. that same type of line where it's like everyone thinks they can have an apparel company, but creating that longevity. Mm-hmm. Now that's a different story because right. everybody, though they have this thing, what's their main goal is to make money. Well, people want to make money nowadays so quickly yeah. that they lose that process and that that longevity perspective. And it's how do I make money? How do I make it now? Everybody has this apparel company. Like you said, some of it's really good. Mm -hmm. They just struggle at 
figuring out how to make an impact because they try and go too big too fast or whatever it might be right well i think that that a lot of people lose their um the like the reason behind what they're doing just because they focus on like the what's in the house and they forget the why yeah so lululemon for example um like their why is to elevate the world through unlocking the full potential out of each and every one of us Mm -hmm. that's why we do what we do so we look to not only with like our employees, for example, we give them like personal and career development tools, leadership development tools. We develop the hell out of our people. You know, me as a manager, like, yes, there are definitely things where like I have deadlines on things and creating strategies and, and budgets and all of that stuff. But the overwhelming amount of coaching that I get from my manager yeah. is like, how am I showing up in conversations? How am I creating space for other people? How am I getting the best out of each and every one of my people. And that's the stuff that I get held accountable to. And, and nowhere in that it's like, how well do you know that shirt inside and out? And so if, if we're a brand that sells the best technical clothing apparel in the market, and the last thing we talk about is the actual product, like what is that? And so, so many companies and, and, and insert, you know, food, drink, retail, whatever it may be you hyper focus on like the what's in the house. Like, you know, we're going to make a million dollars because we're going to like sell the best product and it's going to be all about like our marketing and like that word is really good and all that stuff. Like that's great. And I believe it. And what if you like thought a different way? What if you said like, I'm here to like what I said earlier, like when you asked me the very first question of like, who are you? And I said like, I talk to people and I create space. Like that is why I'm here. I'm here to create space for people and the what and the how I do that is is interchangeable Mm -hmm. depending on the situation but i never lose sight of that why when i'm in a conversation when i'm in a business meeting when i'm leading other businesses through like a vision and goals and core value exercise i do that because i'm very strongly connected to my why and therefore i'm less attached to the what and the how whereas most businesses most retailers most restaurants most everything are very very attached to the what and the how and they never even focus on the why and I think there's there's a lot of power to that. I think in five minutes you've changed quite a few people's perspective of that company. Yeah. For multiple reasons. One, you just talked about career pathing. Mm. Where in retail does a company focus on career pathing? Yeah. You make it to manager and then you go and find another job. Right. Right? Like that's yeah. a career path for most people in retail or they just go and become managers of other retail yeah. companies, right? Secondly, I don't care if you know about the shirt, right? You didn't say it that way, but I'm going to just paraphrase my way like I don't need to know the ins and the outs of the shirt. It's more so around creating this culture, more so around having a conversation with a person. I don't need to tell you everything about the shirt because the shirt probably more than likely is going to speak for itself, right? right? Because we do believe so much in the quality and and the time and the effort that is put into these products that I don't need to sell you on it. Right. You're here for a reason, right? Like people don't go into a Lululemon store and go, I want to be sold on why I need right. this. They go in there knowing they're going to buy something or look at it and go, wow, that's pretty good quality. Maybe not today. Maybe I can't afford it or whatnot because, you know, certain aspects of it. But I think um, you also mentioned core values. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that in certain industries, Yeah. right? company I work for, we're big into core values, but from like a retail perspective, Mm -hmm. I would never 
have thought somebody would come in here and say core values around a, a brick and mortar retail store. Yeah. And, and, and it, even just saying like core values, it sounds really lovely, but I mean, that is like literally the conversation. I mean, I get, I get asked several times a week, like, how am I exemplifying the six core values that we have in our company? And like, when, when I'm out of alignment in my job, which I mentioned earlier that like I had a, a few months where I just wasn't like doing things very well. Yeah. Like it came down to like, you're out of integrity. Like integrity is like one of our core values and it's like, you're out of integrity and here's the, like the four ways that you're doing it. And therefore like, you're not exemplifying the brand and like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, Lululemon, we f- fired our CEO of a year ago because he was out of integrity with how he was doing it. And no one, no one, even the CEO is above the organization. The and like, and, yeah. and, and some people, they saw that they saw, um, the firing of our CEO and they're like, Oh my gosh, they freaked out. Like, what are we going to do as a brand? And I was like, we work for a brand that's bold enough to fire our CEO because they're like out of alignment with their core values. I was like, who the hell are we? And I'm all for it. Like that is amazing. And it, it is, you know, I, I said uh, it was the national word, news. Yeah. I know, remember reading it international. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I, I mentioned the word disruptive earlier Yeah, and, and, you know, you mentioned that, you know, people come into the store knowing that they may buy something or they may whatever. And they are, you know, our sales associates are referred to as educators, like not even sales associates, because your metric of success is not selling a product. Your okay. metric of success that I ask like educators about is like, what kind of conversation did you get to get into? And did you educate them to where they can make their own decision knowing what they're looking at? You know, more than just like the look of it and maybe like it, you know, it's cool everyone's talking about it, but do they know that the, that like pants stretched four different ways and you're never going to feel constricted? Do they know that there's like woven in like silver materials into it to where it's going to be antibacterial and, you know, antiperspirant, like all this stuff. Like, do they know that? And like, that's the metric of success, like education. And so like, how disruptive is that when like you walk into a store and someone says like, Hey, what's been the best part of your day? They're not like, Hey, what are you looking for? And can I help you? (laughs) Like you get caught off guard because like as a consumer, you walk into the store expecting to be sold and you're like, shit, they're just like asking about my day. Or you, you know? try something on and though you look at yourself in the mirror and go, man, this looks terrible. They're, this, that looks great on you. Yeah. And like maybe I say like, hey, you need a different size. <laughs> like, you know, let's, let, let's try a size up and a size down. You'll find out really quickly which one it is. And yeah. we're like, that just like, it's, it's not for you. It's not flattering, you know? And like they're, they're, they're you know, honesty is another one of our core values. Yeah. And therefore it's portrayed in everything that we say, like, are you being generous with your thoughts and are you like sharing how you're interpreting the world with other people? Cause if you're not, you're not like living into honesty and that's not tight. Like mm. that's not cool. You yeah. Know? Well, I will tell you everybody that I don't own any Lululemon. So shame on me for not having yet. Me. Not yet. Right. I know. Well, you've changed my perspective. <laughs> um, but everyone that I have spoken to and that does own Lululemon, thankfully no bad reviews. Yeah. So my buddy, Matt, and I mentioned him earlier. He's my best friend. He's a tight ass. Real tight with his money, right? He bought a pair of shorts two weeks ago. He's gotten big into running over the last couple of weeks, and he's listening. He'll be listening to this, yeah. so he'll appreciate this. What's up? Yeah. So he bought a pair two weeks ago, and he likes them so much. He bought two more pairs this past week. Right. And this dude, like, when I told him like the shorts that I own, so I own, uh, I'm big into Miles Apparel. I don't know if you've ever heard mm-hmm. of them. So they're out of San Francisco, but they're. I wear them for working out and running. They they have these pockets that my phone never moves, and it just. I fell in love with them, right? Perfect. But they're sixty five dollars a pair of shorts, right? So right. I mean, it's a it's a an expensive short, right? It's not like, I, you know, a ten dollar pair of Russells or whatever. 
So I told him about that company and everything, and he's looking at Lululemon, and he bought them. And for him, like a $50 pair of shorts or a $65 pair of shorts, that's expensive. Unheard and for of. a lot of people, it is, right? And that's fine. But he bought one, and now he has three pairs within three weeks. So, I mean, and, and then my buddy Thomas, who I was talking to beforehand, he letting him know that you were coming here, he was like, I love Lululemon. He lives in South Dakota, and he's working with you all right now on um, – uh, a race out there. He's the head of sports for Sioux Falls out in South oh, Dakota. Nice. So he's yeah. working on um, a sponsorship, a, a partnership with Lou Lemon out there. So, so of course, dope. yeah, he's telling yeah. me about. It. He's yeah, like, yeah. you need to get their shorts too. I'm like, listen, man. I'm like, I just let you know he's coming over the house because they're both <laughs> avid listeners of the podcast. We'll so hook that they'll up. appreciate. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So. <clears throat> the series yeah man so we've talked about lululemon the core values your involvement but community and the series so what is the series how did it come about and why are you involved and what what about it drives you such a good question um it's a very it's a broad it's question a broad question and uh i i love the question because it's, it's it's one of the things that i feel like most proud of um so to answer your question, the series is our collaborative um, speaker series event that we partner with Not Just Coffee. So Lululemon and Not Just Coffee. Uh, here in Charlotte. Here in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. they have five locations. Um, brilliant, brilliant. Um, James and Miracle Yoder. Um, they're the two owners of it, you know, husband and wife. They're phenomenal human beings. Uh, and they make good coffee. They make great coffee, you know, and, and th- I personally, just from like a a human standpoint, I admire so much the way that they care for the community. Um, I mentioned earlier that Charlotte is deeply entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. and I feel like they were kind of like the OGs, like, you know, they started not just coffee, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, and they were one of the first people to dive all in into something that could potentially fail. And they started with one shop and now they have five and, um, and they're just phenomenal human beings. But anyway, um, it's our collaborative speaker series event. We have a six-part speaker series event starting in, um, I think it was, yeah, it, it was November was the first one. And okay. the last one will be in April. And um, so it's once a month uh, for six months. And the idea behind it is there are some people in Charlotte with some some brilliant, brilliant perspectives on the world. Um, so between the two two of us brands, we wanted to take what not just coffee has to offer and what Lululemon has to offer, which really at the end of the day is just like different perspectives and different yeah. um, different people. Um, and we together wanted to create a space to where people could share their stories and perhaps we could inspire a little bit of what we were referring to earlier about like creating that identity. Perhaps that like the two of us brands could be on the cutting edge of helping create that identity by um, giving space for people to share their stories and for us to learn and to accept and to challenge and to grow together. Um, You know, a lot of people, they look at Lululemon as like this yoga apparel company and they look at not just coffee as a coffee shop Uh and they're like, what the hell do they have anything to do? I was going to say, how, how do these coincide? Yeah. So I, you know, we, we got, you know, probably about this time last year, it was like, I think it was April of last year. We looked at, um, we looked at our community and said like, what was needed? Like we consistently asked that question to ourselves, what's needed now, what's needed in six months, what's, you know in the future. And part of what was needed was, you know, developing a little bit of uh, something different. You know, everyone and their mother is uh, in Charlotte, at least creating 
um, different events. Like I feel like every single day of the week you can find a different fitness event in Charlotte, which is super cool. And that's something also that's really unique to Charlotte. It doesn't happen in other cities. Um, and so we knew that we didn't need to do that. Um, James is someone, um, that like I know personally and, and, and through, um, James, I met his wife, Miracle and, um, you know, we together, like the, the people at Ulam and the people at Not Just Coffee just started talking about like our brands, uh, core values was honestly the thing that, that linked us together. Okay. Like they have a different product. So in reference to earlier, they have a different how and what, Yeah. but our why is the same. Okay. to serve people. That's good. Um, you know, not just coffee got really big a few years ago with a statement of like, um, love people, not just coffee. Um, it's a really like cheeky phrase there, but, um, the more that we got into relationship with, with those two, the more we started to say like, they are really on the cutting edge of some things. Yeah. And so, um, one day there was just this conversation of like, how can we put ourselves together? And it started off, um, as one speaker series event and it's transitioned into, um, we're going to cap it at six and April will be the last one. And, uh, yeah, so it's once a month and we're hearing a bunch of different things and it's held at their stores. Yeah. So, um, it's at, uh, different, not just coffee location each time. Um, you know, the original intent, to be honest with you, the original intent of it is they have five locations. Okay. And we were going to bounce around to each one of the five locations. And after the second one, we had, um, a little bit over a hundred people come and <laughs> we're like three of their locations aren't going to be able to support it. Yeah, so right. like we, we, you know, we looked together, you know, both not just coffee and Lululemon. We said like, we gotta, we gotta figure that out. And so, uh, a problem that we did not expect to run into and we're really happy that we did. Yeah. Um, and so they've been bouncing around between, um, not just coffee, uh, at Atherton mill mm-hmm. and not just coffee Packard place in uptown. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is going to air on the 17th of February. So it's kind of perfect time yeah. because it's that same week. When's the next one? Uh, Thursday, February 21st at 7 PM at not just coffee at Packard place, which is in downtown. Yeah. Right near ink and Ivy. Right. Baseball field, mm-hmm. the new hotel yeah. bearings office building. Um, who's the speaker? This guy named Rob Johnson. He is a lot of things. So when I first moved to Charlotte, to be honest with you, I didn't know anyone. I knew yeah. Lynn, like I mentioned earlier, but um, I was unashamedly like I knew no one. Yeah. And so I just started asking people like, who are the people in this city that influence you? And that are like, who do I need to know? Um, Rob was one of those people. And uh, he came into the store probably a week after I started working there. And we got uh, breakfast one time. We went to like a 6 a.m. yoga class, which like to this day, <laughs> I'm like 6 a.m. is a no go for me. But we talked for three hours at breakfast afterwards. Oh, wow. and, and this man is um, a former Marine Scout sniper. Um, he is a father. He's mm-hmm. a husband. He is a supervisor for Morris Jenkins heating and cooling. Yeah. He is a fitness instructor. He is an all around phenomenal human being. Someone that I draw personally deep, deep, deep inspiration from. Um, so Rob Johnson's going to be the next speaker and he could, to be fair, go down like six or seven different avenues and be completely well-versed in all of them. Um, and I'm so excited to hear from him and learn from him. Does each series, because the, the other ones have passed, but like moving forward, you have February, March, April. So you yeah. got three more. Mm-hmm. Does each series have a certain topic that people can expect? Or is it more so the the speaker in general is going to come and tell their story? Yeah, it, it's more so the latter. Okay. Um, at first, you know, it was it was like this thing could look any way. Yeah. And um, 
you know, the again, like the team that worked from Lululemon and not just coffee, like the team together, we 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 started thinking about like what question could we ask these people, and and even simpler than that, we literally sat around like a, a circle table and asked ourselves, who do we want to learn from? Mm-hmm. Like, who do we as like the four or five of us, like the people that were in that circle, who do we want to learn from? Selfishly, who do we want to learn yeah, right. from? And like we compiled a list of like twenty names of people that have inspired us, has have moved us, and and some of them we knew, some of them we had no idea how we were going to get in contact with them but um you know the the question that sparked this whole thing was like if you had to give a ted talk tomorrow what would you talk about Mm. because my guess is whatever you choose to talk about is probably going to be the most important thing to you it should be Um, it should be something you're passionate about yeah and 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 some people would like hide hide behind like what they do like i would i would teach you about like you know what i do at lululemon and like while I could like definitely give a TED talk on that, like the thing that like I would speak about is like love and grace. Those mm-hmm. are like my two core values and like everything that I do is is out of that. And that's what I would talk about. And it would go into probably about like how I came to that and like how that like impacts my life today. Yeah. And then like James Yoder, like he talked about something different and you know, a gal named Riley, she talked about something different. And like, we were like, that's just a hell of a question. Yeah. Like that that's just a question. And, and, and we took that at Lululemon, we took that question and brought it to our team and to hear the types of answers that people were saying were like answers that I had no idea that people were even interested in. It was like everything from like human trafficking to like loving yourself and body image. And it was like, why are we not in this conversation? Like now, Yeah. James did the same thing at his, you know, at, at, at not just coffee. And, um, so each speaker speaks about what they want to speak about. Um, do you see the demographic change for each one? And that's, what's so interesting. It's, uh, you know, the first one that we had was a guy named Garrett. He owns Huga co-working space. Okay. Um, so, so many of the people that he, uh, that came for him were people that attended Huga that, that know Garrett, but wanted to hear what Garrett would say. Um, you know, the second one that we had was a gal named Elle. She's the head of staff development and culture at Not Just Coffee. And so many people that came wanted to hear Elle because they've seen her behind the bar and creating this all this stuff and they wanted to support her. The third one that we had was a gal named Rebecca Henderson. She's technically, she's a copywriter here in Charlotte, but she's done everything from like stand-up comedy to oh, wow. um, curating a bunch of art displays in the city of Charlotte. And there were so many people that just wanted to come and support her. Yeah. And and the overwhelming amount of people that come to each one, that's their first experience of Lululemon. They haven't stepped foot in our store. Yeah. And, and for me, like I said earlier, we're more than a clothing brand. And so if the very first experience that they have with our brand is to see that like Lululemon and not just coffee created a space where people could just like authentically be themselves. That's a win. Yeah. Right. They may or may not come into our store, but they have created that like brand resonance that says like, Oh, that's Lululemon. They did that one thing that one time where they gave that person the platform to speak about like themselves. Yeah. And that's really cool. How do people find it? So we've been exploring that, (laughs) you know, we've done everything from uh, physical invites to um, like having like brochures and stuff like at the different, not just coffee um, spaces, but um, the Lululemon Charlotte Facebook page is where we like advertise everything as well as if you know people from, from not just coffee, not just coffee or Lululemon, like a lot of the times we'll like go on Instagram and um, we'll make posts about that. Um, we have like a hashtag, which is just series CLT where okay. you can like kind of like see what's going on with that. Um, 
and that's like how people find it. Uh, it's it's a free event and, and people can come. We have complimentary food and drink and all of that stuff. And it's just a it's a great night. It's like on yeah, a Thursday cool. night towards the end of the month. It's pretty fun. And do you know who the next, the following two speakers are going to be? We have some ideas. Okay. We have some ideas. Right, cool. and, and it's not quite at, at, at the space where we're releasing that yet. Yeah, no, but, no, you don't need to. But yeah. That's, yeah. All right, cool. All right, so um, I want to make sure we talk about it because if, if we mentioned it earlier on where people can find you on Instagram, yeah. if they're going to get on Instagram, they're going to look at your profile and they're going to see a bunch of pictures that have dates on them. And yeah, dude. And so let's talk about photography. Let's do it. How did you get in photography? What is it about it? What about it inspires you or keeps you wanting to do it? Yeah. Um, I got into photography in a really weird way. My, I grew up in my dad. Um, my dad had been taking photos since he was in like high school. Okay. He was on like, uh, you know, like literal, like back then it was like film Mm -hmm. photos. Um, so growing up, my brother, sister, and I, we always had like a camera in front of our face and specifically in sports. Like my dad loved taking photos of two things, which was like us playing sports and then like the family photos, you yeah. know, like the all five of us like together or whatever. Um, it was like, you know, when I was younger, I like hated that. We would like wear black <laughs> turtlenecks and just like hate it. But um, it's like endearing now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so my dad always did it. So we had cameras laying around the house all the time. Okay. When I was a freshman in college, I was playing a game of soccer and I got uh, elbowed in the face and like literally like my lip was like hanging off my face Mm. and I got like really, really um, badly concussed and I thought I was never going to play soccer again. So instead of like sitting there and being like, well, my life is over and this sucks. I was like, I need something else to just like fuel whatever. And I just was fortunate to have a camera laying around. And so I picked it up and, um, found out that I, I liked it and I was a very different photographer than my dad was. Like I had no interest to do sports. Um, but I loved shooting people, okay, um, taking photos of people. And, um, you know, I started doing that for a little bit and it just kind of stuck. It was never a thought that like this was going to be a thing. Um, and it just stuck. And so you mentioned that you, you take pictures of people, which now that you've said that, I, I can I see that now looking at your profile. It's not yeah. situations. Right. It's more so an individual. Yeah. Right? Like it's not like this grand event like you see a lot of photographers just like, here's a family photo shoot I did or here's a wedding that I did. Yours are a lot of just either one individual or one or two individuals mm-hmm. at a location. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um I love storytelling. Uh-huh. Um I think one of the as a photographer, like I, you know, I, I've been around a lot of other photographers and some people that are just unreal at what they do. Everything from like, um, senior portraits to like cityscapes, just Mm -hmm. unreal at what they do. Um, and everyone kind of has their niche. And for me, I love telling stories through, um, what I take in, in one of my biggest things that I look at is like, how can I, you know, capture the person in the moment that there's no required, you know, caption, there's no required anything that goes with it that you just get a glimpse as to what I saw in that moment. Um, I don't pose people. I stay away from editing as much as possible. I may bring up a little bit of light like light or anything like that, but I don't like edit people. I don't Photoshop. I don't anything like that because it's just people. Yeah. Um, I find humans the most fascinating subject. I think it's the best of all of God's creation, um, human beings. And, um, 
so that makes sense that that's what I would document the most. Yeah. yeah. So is it gone past now a hobby and more of just a lifestyle for you? Yeah. You know, I, I've gotten the opportunity, which like, again, super fortunate and lucky and not something that I sought out, but, um, you know, people have given me the opportunity to like represent their business in That's terms great. of like taking their photos for their business yeah. or, um, for people or for musicians or whatever. And that's like, it's such a cool thing whenever people trust in you and that, um, there are some times where I'm like, I would just like, I meet someone. I'm like, I would love to photograph that person. I think that they're great. I was, I, was, I met with a, an artist this morning. His name's Kyle. He's doing some really progressive stuff. Um, it's really great. And I was like, I met him and listened to his like creation process. And I was like, I would love to photograph that. And then, a lot of the times, like, like for example, like in my backpack right now, I have my camera with me, oh, but yeah. like I haven't even touched it. So right. like there's always, it's always there. Yeah, it's there, but there's a fair amount of times that I don't touch it at all because I never want to lose sight of like, like documenting something in my brain first. Yeah. Um, and if I ever feel that like wrestle, like, do I take photos or do I not? It's always a, I don't. So is it, and I know, you know, in photography, people will talk about like, it's an extension of you. Like mm-hmm. your camera is an extension of you. Is yeah. that you capturing that moment or that individual or that just time and space or that process is that is that how you operate or is yeah. it something different that's fair because okay. i feel like if it was not an extension it would require a lot of like me like messing with reality if you will in terms of like wait wait, wait why don't you turn 45 degrees that yeah. way and tilt your head up and then go that and like that would create a false perception of the actual yeah. situation. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that, um, you know, it's not my full time thing. So I don't depend on like my, my bills being paid through it. Yeah. I might, I might take it a little bit more seriously if I did. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, I do you lo- think you'd, you'd fall out of love with it though, if you had to take it more serious? Probably. And I yeah. think everyone does that yeah, right. no matter what it is. Like, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I love talking to people and there are sometimes I go and I talk to people and I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do right now. And it, yeah, and right. it, it just happens. It, it's that way. However, you know, I feel like now as a photographer, I would, I would handle, you know, even, even, even now, sometimes I sit down with brands or I sit down with businesses or I sit down with people and, uh, my, my questioning process before I take photos sometimes like deters people away. (laughs) And there's a healthy amount of times where I will ask them enough questions and I say like, I'm not your guy, but here are like four or five other people that are absolutely crushing it that shoot that way. Like things that you're asking me to do, I don't even do well. So like, don't, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm not not your guy, but here are like four or five people and let me connect you with them because they're phenomenal human beings. Like they're great people and they're really great at what they do. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an extension of who I am. If I bring out my camera, no one is surprised. Um, but I also make sure that I don't just like hide behind my camera that people can like see me for me. Yeah. yeah. There's somebody there. When I moved to Charlotte, it took several months before anyone knew that I was a photographer um, because I don't talk about it. Like, I never talk about it. I never, I never, I'm like, oh, I'm Henry, I'm a photographer. <laughs> um, I never talk about You're it. You're not pushing it? Yeah. Um, it took several months before anyone had any idea that I was a photographer. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, someone found out and it turned into a thing. And, you know, there's a, there's a, a gym in South End in Elizabeth called Metabolic. Yep. Um, it's where I choose to work out. They're phenomenal human beings. Uh, I believe in their brand. I think they're great. I'm like their in-house photographer and the, 
I don't know if he's still one of the owners, but he used to play for the Checkers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, His wife is a professor at Wingate, so my wife and I no know her. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I, so I, I love And Lindsay, them, but... my wife, used to work for the Checkers. So. That's so crazy. Yeah, right? um, but but Finley, she's the, she's the GM there. Like, she asked me to be, like, the in-house photographer there, and she was the first person in Charlotte that asked me, and it just so happens that I absolutely love their brand, right. but when I was in St. Louis, I did that for a lot of, like, places, but, like, she was the first one that asked me, and that was, like, a year plus since I had been in Charlotte, and no one knew no that one I knew. did that, because yeah. I just, like, didn't talk about it, and so um, I love it. It, it so is. do you want people to find you? Because I'll, I'll give you a free plug. If yeah, bro. Find like, you. <laughs> I mean, like, like it, it's funny. It's like, it's a yes and no. Like, I would never deter anyone. If they're interested in looking, yeah. hell yeah. Like, look for it. Am I out here seeking fame? Absolutely not. So, like, if people want to look, like, who am I to tell them to not? Well, like, they know where to find you on Instagram. If they see pictures that you've yeah. taken that you're interested, how would they get in touch with you for photography? L- literally, like they can do anything like on my Instagram. It's like technically set up as like a business Instagram. So it has like my email and phone number no, on there, so which is probably like pretty dangerous, but it's on there. I don't put my phone, number but on also anything. like, uh, like direct messaging. Okay. I, I, I am, uh, I am prone to taking like months off of Instagram. Like, uh, like I took all of January, like off, like I had it off my phone. I, I posted like once for my girlfriend's birthday, once for yeah. like one of my best friend's birthdays and once about the series, but other than that, I like I deleted it from my phone. So sometimes I do that. So yeah, I go rogue. You. So you know my my <laughs> my email and so and, get his email while he's on there. Yeah, now. and and phone number on there. So if there's ever anything like, and I'm also like super down to work with people and just like bring what their ideas are to life. That's cool. Yeah, I yeah. think they're great photos. I thought it was very interesting how you you said it and then it kind of just I'm like yeah you're right he does take pictures of basically like individuals yeah. and situations yeah and not like the turn like you said yeah. turn 45 degrees and yeah. put your chin up oh it's the wrong lighting move over here yeah. you're capturing like as best as you can in photography real life yeah a situation well, and then it's funny too because like i was even last night you know my my roommate is the videographer for the panthers he is unreal at what he does yeah. like i mean before i was his roommate i was a fan of his like i saw the things that he created and it was just amazing. And, and he has a buddy in town from Utah and he, he does a bunch of stuff in media as well. He's brilliant. And both of those guys were phenomenal. They're great human beings. But last night we were like out shooting and there was a moment of a little bit of like, yo, I can't hang with these people. Like I can't <laughs> like, they're saying like they were saying words that I didn't understand because both of them, like that's their world. Industry lingo. Yeah. yeah. And I was like tight. But again, to reference earlier, instead of like bucking up and feeling insecure, I was like, what can I learn from these guys? And I like, I had no shame in saying like, Hey, what the hell are you talking about? And like, I, you know, I asked them like, can you explain that a different way? Because you guys definitely understand it. And I don't. Um, and so it's a constant space of learning. And even though I've been taking photos for like five years now, it's like, I learn something new every day and my style like has become way more consistent, but like there are things that I love more and more or I dislike more and more every day. So, um, it's definitely pushed me in that like security and security space, um, in developing just like who I am as a human being and knowing that I'm not, um, you know, the conversation that I got into with that artist earlier, we talked about, uh, external validation and as creatives, sometimes, that view of internal versus external validation is so hard because if you're a full-time creative, the external validation gives you money 
and gives you food on the table. And if people don't like what you're doing, you literally don't survive. Mm. So all of the like really cute statements of like, doesn't matter what people think of it. Like when you're a full-time creative, that does matter. Yeah. Right. So like, I love getting into the conversation with creatives. Um, I like long-term, I feel like my job, like whatever I do, I'll be working with creatives a lot, but I have those conversations of like, how do you seek validation? And like, what do you believe about yourself whenever someone doesn't like your shit? Like, and, and, and that kind of, that kinds of stuff. And, and this morning, Kyle was just such a brilliant mindset on that. And he has such a great belief on that. And, um, there's a guy named Kent Youngstrom who's in Charlotte. He's studio is actually not far from your house here, but, um, his his viewpoint on doing things that makes him happy versus like trying to fit his stuff into other people's stuff like i i just love hearing from that shapes me a lot i think it's cool you said that for him and then also for yourself i think too many people just take every job that they can get yeah right because you got to put food on the table for you you're in a good position where you don't have to do that and you know hopefully or if that's where you want to continue to pursue that you can continue that mindset and that that model of I don't need to take every job because it doesn't fit and I don't want to create something that doesn't fit what I've created myself and that I believe in. I think that's cool. Yeah. Not a lot of people have that. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, and I think that's good, especially from a creative perspective, Mm -hmm. because again, from outside looking in and even from me for, from a podcast perspective, I could create a podcast that mirrors very popular podcasts. It's very right. easy to do that. You right. listen to a lot of podcasts and you can figure out <clears throat> ways to manipulate your interviews, ways to try and drive people certain ways, structure all of that. Yeah. But I don't want my podcast to be that. Like we mentioned, I mentioned before we even pressed record, I don't edit this. So right. everything that happened, like me dropping my phone and hitting the <laughs> desk two minutes ago, that's going to stay in the podcast because that's real life. Like this is a conversation that right. I'm not manipulating for people to listen to it in a certain way or I want to cut out pieces that were good and the rest of it that might have been bad or whatever. No, this is a real conversation between two humans. Yeah. Right. So the creative perspective of it, I never want to lose insight on. Um, and yeah. you know, the monetization does come into play for podcasts where yeah. advertisers will come in and say, well, you know, I am, I had to run at this point in time. And then there are now a lot of media companies that are buying up podcasts mm-hmm. and trying to drive them in certain ways that fit their brand and their way of messaging and being creative rather than how the individual actually created a podcast to begin with. So I can, there's a lot of parallels what you talked about earlier. Yeah. And it's like, what's even crazier is like, you mentioned that like I'm in a fortunate position to where I like don't have to like contemplate like putting food on the table to like what photography jobs I take. Yeah. But like when I was 20 years old, I started working for Lululemon. Um, something that Lululemon does with every single employee that comes through there is they like fully teach them on like how to develop a really strong vision for their life and create meaningful goals to support that vision. So at 20 years old, I was taught that like I can sit there and close my eyes and think about my life 10 years down the line. Mm. Like if time, money, education, experience were no issue at all and you could do anything you wanted, what would you do? And then do it. Like create meaningful goals. And at 20 years old, I started believing in myself that like, yes, we just talked about photography and how it's not my main thing. And if I don't completely align with it, then I don't have to do it. And that is so true with me in photography. Mm -hmm. And it's also so true in everything else that I do. Yeah. Like... I applied that learning to jobs, literally 
jobs. Like when I was a senior in college, I, I met with so many different companies because I thought that like, you know, Lululemon, like retail, is that really what I want to do? And I met with all these people and it all came back to like, that's not what I love. And yeah. I chose not to do that. There's so many relationships that I could have been in and it didn't honor myself and my belief. And so the fallacy in life is that sometimes you, you do things cause you feel like you have to. And there is definitely like there, I am not downplaying at all. Like when you're struggling and you have to put food on the table, do whatever the fuck it takes to like, oh, absolutely. do that. And absolutely. And like, if you're in a place to where you can like provide for yourself and there's that, like take the time to think about your ideal life and what does that look like, feel like, sound like, and then do it yep. because you don't have to just have a mediocre life. And I learned that at 20 years old and I'm relearning that at 23 and I guess I'll like, learn you're going to re- you're going to keep relearning it yes. over and over. And, and so it changed my life. And, and as much as I apply that to photography, it's like how I apply every single thing that I do as well. Yeah. Cool. All right. You ready for rapid fire? Yeah, dude. Okay. Born ready. All right. Midwest or Southeast? Uh, Southeast. Southeast. What are you obsessed with right now? music oh that that leads in perfectly yeah. then what who's your favorite band mumford and sons mumford and sons best concert you've ever been to the first time i saw mumford and sons okay which was when uh 2016 where st louis missouri okay black and white or color black and white every day every day every day why uh the real reason is because i never had a photography background i never took a class i never did anything like that and i sucked at colors <laughs> i i would get really frustrated with uh some colors would look blown out or not as full as i wanted them to and instead of like humbling myself and asking someone for help i was like fuck it i'll just do everything in black and white and black and white has stuck as like now i look at color photos that i take other yeah. people like unreal that i take and i'm like that doesn't even look like me and so black and white black and white okay who's your biggest influence uh i would say in my life in terms of like how i handle myself as a human being um my store manager and one of my very best friends in the whole world lynn Mm -hmm. um she has especially over the last like three years as we've been friends she has like helped me process through so much of like growing up my parents divorce um growing out of college and into the real yeah. world she has influenced so much of how i think and see the world and then in terms of creative so many people like um there's there there's a band of probably like four or five folks that i look back to consistently for creative like influence knowledge influence yeah, yeah. name one of them uh, this gal named Joan Fisher. She's out of St. Louis. She's like, if you ask people in St. Louis who's the best photographer in St. Louis, we'll say Joan Fisher. Joan Fisher. Yeah. Um, when I was a sophomore in college, I didn't know anything about uh, photography or how to. Like, people just started asking me to like pay me for my photos. Yeah. And I really boldly, because like, who was I to do this? I like asked Joan Fisher, <laughs> the best photographer in St. Louis, like what her pricing model was. Yeah. And instead of her being like, "Oh, you're a competitor. I'll never share that," she was overwhelmingly nice and i remember when i like first started and like i remember when i was pricing this is how i did it this is what i charge now here's probably what i recommend and she was so nice to me and it shifted everything on how i viewed collaboration and she's still to this day i think is fucking unreal that's great favorite location you've ever photographed really have you ever (laughs) taken pictures at my favorite location um i would say if I had to choose, like absolutely had to choose. Like if you're going to go out today just to take pictures, yeah. where are you going? 
Yeah, there's this one spot in St. Louis where it like um it's kind of this like courtyard, if you will, and okay. then like the arches behind it, the gateway arch. And that just like creates really cool photos. But um as we mentioned earlier, like I obsess over people yeah. and so I've never been concerned with location. Like okay. literally the most stressful part about me as a photographer is when people are like, Oh, where should we shoot? I'm like, Oh my god, that's like <laughs> the worst question. Like, no, 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 no. Where no, no, don't yeah. tell me that. Like my dream, my dream location is like shooting someone inside of their house. Like in their kitchen, in their living room, and doing that really well. Like, that's, like, what I want to, like, crush, and yeah. I haven't done it yet. Just creating real life. Yeah. Favorite brewery? Anywhere. Hi- Heist Brewery in Charlotte. Heist Brewery yes. in Charlotte. In Noda. Yeah, in Noda. Yeah. All right. Who do you suggest listeners go to and check out on Instagram, beside yourself, because we've already given your yeah. plug? Who would you suggest? Um, I would suggest, uh, from a photography perspective... I would say um, there's a kid out of St. Louis, Missouri named Lucas Winkleman. Um, okay. Lucas and then W-I-N-K-E-L-M-A-N-N. Um, like really Had to think about it, yeah. Yep. Lucas Winkleman, he just does some really great things in terms of like branding and shooting um, really great stuff. He's phenomenal. And then in terms of um, just all around like content there's a kid out of out of charlotte named roman perryman um his instagram name is roman the emperor or empire excuse me um he has a podcast and he's just an all-around like community person and um a lot of inspiration from him that's what i'll side with right now lucas and roman cool all right uh we'll wrap it up do you have any questions for me anything we didn't cover the only thing that i would love to hear not the only thing. I could ask a lot of questions. Yeah, that's, that's like fine. But the one question I'll ask you is in the spread, you said it's like 26 yeah. episodes. Like, what would you say is like the biggest thing you've learned about yourself throughout this process? Uh, that I actually am more willing to talk about my life than I think I ever have been. So at work, um, not so much with my friends because they, they get exposure to, to our life, but n- not a lot of people get the invitation to walk through my front door and actually see like a lot of times it's, and I, and you, you were uh, a, a witness to this is I'll just tell people my house is a circus. It's crazy. Yeah. And I just leave it at that. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm very willing to now sit in front of this microphone and basically become very vulnerable about what actually is going on inside of these walls and behind these doors and not in a, you know, to expose my family for any way, but just for the fact of, I think it's important for people that have a nine to five, have kids, are parents, are married. And this this speaks to the ones that I do individually. When I when I have guests come and sit down with me, it's a different type of vulnerability. But when I speak and sit and talk solo podcasts, like the one that I put out today, February 10th, it was me talking about a couple things going on. It is creating this vulnerability and just opening myself up that I don't really put out there to my coworkers or anything like that. So it, it gives people this insight. Um, and it's taught me a lot that it, and I mentioned it earlier, it's very freeing when you don't really care about what other people think. The hardest thing for me to do when I started this thing was to press record. Yeah. You know how hard it is to press record? No one's listening. I could have pressed record. This thing is not connected to anything until I actually upload it off of the SD card and put it on my host site and all this stuff. The hardest thing was to press record and actually have an open conversation, mm. right? 
Yeah. I think that's been one thing I've, I've, that's the, one of the biggest things I've learned. The other thing I've learned is when I have someone sitting across the table from me, I truly am very interested in other people. And I think a lot of times people can be very self-centered and they put a microphone in front of them. They want their voice to be heard. I am more than content of just sitting back. I have to interject at times to make, I want to make sure everyone knows I'm listening, so I have to interject, but I am perfectly content with just pressing record and having a two-hour conversation to where I talk for five minutes because we mentioned it before we started recording. I truly am interested in people's stories, and so many people think that their lives aren't interesting and that there are plenty of people out there that can relate to what you or another guest have come on and talked about that they themselves don't think is impactful and truly is impactful. Yeah. And I've learned that about myself. And I'm, I mean, I started this in October. Four or five months ago, I would have never sat here and be like, yeah, I can interview people. Hmm. And I and I finish a lot of these episodes and everyone's like, that was great. Thank you so much. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> said a few words. And asked right. Few right. I said a few you know? words. But, you know, you've mentioned a few times too. Like today you're like, wow, that's a great question. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. I didn't think that was a great question. It was just more of like, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, more about you as an individual. Mm. And we talked about too, like my best friend's been on this a few times and I've learned about him that I probably would have never learned about because I'm actually having a conversation with him rather than just sitting and watching a game. Right. Or the kids are coming over and we're having a couple beers and not getting into an in-depth conversation. Yeah. It's a long answer, but I love that. Yeah, it's huge. I, th- I think we um, we wrap ourselves in a lot of like things to do, and not all the time do we give ourselves permission to ask like, what are we learning through the yeah. process? So I love hearing that like you're like, my interpretation of what you said is like you are like learning things about yourself and pleasantly surprising yourself. Yeah, that's like what you're doing, and I hope that that evokes some sort of like pride within you of like being proud of your accomplishment. It certainly helps me stay motivated to do this because there was a couple weeks ago where I kind of so quickly lost the excitement of it and it was man i'm chasing down people to try and get on here i was doing two podcasts a week i'm like that's a lot of time especially i'm a dad i got a full-time job i got these two kids running around i get used the crazy dogs been running around in and out of here i'm I'm married you know i got all these things and it's like i'm putting a lot of effort into this that there's no return on it outside of just me wanting to be creative, right? right. Like there's no money coming in the door for me, which right. is fine. I don't not there was never any intent of starting this to get money. Right. So it was like, man, I'm kind of just burning out already. And I'm only three months in. I'm like, what do I need to do? Cut it back to once a week and then interacting with people that were willing to interact back with me. Like, so you and I, it was a direct message. Mm-hmm. You got back to me. And then it took us a while to because of schedules and you were very flexible and everything. And it was easy, right? Right. So I'm not out there trying to pursue because I need to fill a time slot next week. Mm-hmm. I can easily sit here behind it myself and just fill the time slot. So yeah, I've been um, it's been that part now the last couple of weeks of falling back in love with it and knowing that it's okay if you don't have a guest every week. You can talk. Hear my kids screaming. Um <laughs> But like, what you know, you can hear my kids screaming in the background. Like that's what it's I got real. going on in my life. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mentioned the circus. You know, yeah. it's gonna be a circus. Once we we press stop, we're gonna have to get him. The other one's downstairs. Mom is running around. The dog's running around. You're gonna see the whole thing. That's yeah, real life. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thank you so much for having me. No, I appreciate you yeah, coming down. 
and, and spending some time. I think, I mean, probably we're probably close to two hours now. Yeah. Hour and 20 minutes. That's what's up. Yeah. But it's a great, I tell every guest that comes on, and I'll tell you and anybody else that comes on, I never will cut a conversation short. For sure. If people want to listen to this whole thing, they're going to listen to the whole thing. And, and the reason why I don't want to cut it short is because I'm having a conversation with somebody that I'm truly interested in. Yeah. If it lasts 30 minutes, that's what it is. If it lasts two hours, great. If it goes beyond two hours, then I'm going to be like, let's bring you back. Yeah. <laughs> Dial <laughs> that shit in. Because now we're going to have to you know, take some bathroom breaks. Right. We need to chill out. But no, I, hour and 20 minutes and it, it flew by. Yeah, man. I think you, uh, you have a great story and I think there's a lot of upside for, for you, Henry. And I can tell you that from somebody that and I don't, I'm not going to act older and wiser than you, but I am older. I don't know if I'm wiser. Probably wiser. Uh, but I am older, and I do see um, in the two hours that we've known each other, you have a lot of potential to do a lot of great things, and I think that's fantastic, not only for yourself, but for the city, hmm. for the brand, for anybody that you come in, in contact with, from just seeing you, again, perception on social media, but now having a conversation with you, you're wise beyond your years, and I don't think you realize that, and I think you're going to come to a realization very soon. You, For a 23, 24-year-old man, you are ahead of the game, and I mentioned it a few times today. Yeah. You are ahead of the game, and I, I appreciate, appreciate that. that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I think today you showed a lot of you know, your potential and your vulnerability and your openness, and a lot of what you talked about, there's a great maturity in you. Thank you. Don't ever that. lose that. Yeah. I blame a lot of the people that have like shaped me in my yeah, life. They, like they have taught me so well. Don't blame them. Thank them. <laughs> Thank yeah. All right. Anything else? No, man. I'm good. All right. Where do they find you again? Uh, at Henry Wind on Instagram, H-E-N-R-Y-W-Y-N-D. And I posted today, which is the 10th, but on the 17th, this will come out and throughout the week, you'll For see sure. that, uh, you know, I'll be reminding everybody that Henry is on and uh, to check this out. Thank you again, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, everybody.